Hello, welcome to We're Only Human. I'm Tim John. Thank you so much for being here for season two. This season, I'm loving it. I hope you're loving it too. Today, Lauren, Lauren's who we're going to talk with today. Lauren and I used to work together at Active Campaign, and I remember back before COVID when offices were more of a thing. I was in the office. She she was working in a different office, but came to to our Chicago office to get onboarded in. She was temporarily using the desk next to mine and she walked into the room and, you know, just all smiles on her face. Just such a, such a positive, you know, vibe coming from her. Like you just, you just the type of person that lights up the room in, in all the good ways. And I just always remember working with her such a, a positive, inquisitive vibe about her just always wanting to learn, always wanting to help others learn and improve. And so when I was ready to do season two of this podcast, I thought I got to get Lauren, got to get Lauren here. Uh, I think she'll have so much uh, insight into this idea of, of who are we and what does that mean? So I'm pumped for this conversation, but we got to do a sound check first. What did you have for breakfast this morning? <laughs> um for breakfast this morning, I had a phenomenal Jimmy Dean's breakfast sausage uh, sandwich. Actually, it's what I've been having this entire week, um, and some raspberries. So phenomenal! What makes it phenomenal? Well, it's frozen, so I think it's the uh, <laughs> it's really about efficiency in the morning because it's become a habit. I think it's something I look forward to. It just tastes really good. Today, I am joined by Lauren Hlavin. She is a daughter, a sister, an aunt, product manager at Active Campaign. And when I thought of the question, Lauren, like, who, who's Lauren? When I'm like, okay, I got to introduce her. I, I thought of what I see right now. You always have a smile on your face. I've literally never <laughs> seen you without a smile on your face, which is fantastic. Um, you strike me as someone from when I've known you for the past couple of years that is mm-hmm. always willing to help those around them. Um, you to me, you have this like very helpful side, and you also have this very like eager to learn about the world around them side, um, and eager to grow. Like I feel like I share that with you. Yeah. Um, and you know, I feel like you're, you're someone with such positive energy, but you're someone who's like ready to take the world head on in like all the best ways. So that that's like when someone's like, okay, who's Lauren? That's what I would say. If someone yeah. asked you the question, "Who are you?" What would you say? I like what you said. So I'm glad we're recording this because, oh my God, I'm like, my jaw is on the ground. Um, you flatter me. I really appreciate your kind words. Um, listen, that is such a loaded question. Uh, it is one that I find very fascinating. And I think um, it depends on who's asking, right? I mean, sure, I think sure. so much of communication is two way. And so if you were to ask me who I am, I read the room, right? I need to understand. That's probably why I'm in product because I always like to understand like the why behind the ask. Um, But I think so much of it um, makes me feel like a chameleon because depending on the person who would be receiving my take on who I am, I have to kind of make sure it might align to 
why they're asking. So if I were meeting a new teammate at work, oh, who are you? I'd probably lead with, I serve on the product team and I am specifically over integrations because it creates just a very like firm and simplistic form of context. And that way we can kind of grow and build the relationship off of that. It's like a diving board. So if someone... I just moved to a new city. If I was meeting someone in, a, in uh, my new city or my new hometown, I might lead with, I'm new in town, uh, trying to pull off a John Mulaney, but it's not <laughs> probably going <laughs> to land. Um, but I do think that if I were asking myself who I am, right, that's where I start to get into a few layers deep. And that question becomes so much less about, um, things that I have done or things that the physical world would describe me as. And so much more of, am I happy with who I am? Am I um, really starting to learn more about myself? And am I on um, a path to, to learn more or to, to kind of be happy? And so I think um, I was so excited when you uh, messaged me to join this because that question, um, it totally depends and I was listening to a few other episodes that you've had um, the opportunity to speak with and felt immediately like uh, sister's not qualified to be on this podcast, uh, following a lot of CEOs, following a lot of really um, empowering women and other um, guest speakers. But I think for me, I'm still figuring it out. I don't think that when I ask myself that internal question, um, I've gotten a lot of clarity there. So that's kind of an the quest that I'm on right now is, is to be able to answer that question honestly and authentically. I think that to me is the key right there is like, I, I don't think any of us when asked that question, well, first of all, I think our answers will always change. I love how you mentioned the chameleon thing. Cause actually, um, Ali Ciarto, who I talked to, um, for the season two brought up a similar concept. She's like, well, it really depends who I'm talking to. And I think that's so true. But I also think like, if I were to ask you a year from now, you probably would have a slightly modified answer. And like, that's a great thing, right? And like, yes. I don't think, I mean, I'm still figuring out as well. That's my point. I think we're all figuring it out. And I don't think that we're ever going to figure it out. Like, like, it's an evolving concept almost. Like, it's never, it's not, it's not, it's almost like an unfair question in a way, right? But it's not because it's yeah. really more like, you know, like, who are you right now, right? You you mentioned like you were wondering like am I happy with myself? Do you kind of like have any mechanism for like checking in with that with yourself? Like, do you are you like a New Year's person? Like Jan one every year, you're like, am I happy with who I am this past year? Or do you do any of that? I think that what I've come to learn is that um, I really want to be a Type A person. Oh my God, do I want it? Uh, and I just <laughs> it's just uh, it doesn't it doesn't jive with, with kind of who I am or my personality. And so I'm definitely not maybe a new year's resolution, write it down and have these prescribed goals and measure my success. I feel like that's too much work. Uh, it's just a feeling, right? I it's just checking in with my gut and it's just maybe, um, taking a moment of pause because I do find that I'm, I am very active. I love to stay busy. I, because I just kind of have my hand in a few different, um, pots, whether that's totally at work or it's mentoring people outside of work or finding um, just kind of a, a moonlight gig just to keep myself busy and to continue that pursuit of growth. But um, I think 
quite honestly, I've been able to to learn more about those, like checking in with yourself, those tactics, because I, I started going to therapy because that was not something I could just read a blog post on. It wasn't something that I truly felt was so innate that I understood how to self-regulate or that I understood when perhaps my anxiety was was driving me um, when I was sure. reacting um, emotionally or in a reactionary state because I was in fight or flight. And I think um, I... I just hit a point in my life where I realized I just wasn't happy. I wasn't excited. I wasn't, I, I hope that I'm ever the optimist, but I am also human. So sometimes things get under my skin or just, I'm in a bad mood and those are, that's okay. I can sit with that, but it's the perpetual and this ongoing feeling of just meh that I felt um, really the uh, pandemic was just full court pressing me on. It was really challenging me to sit in silence when there wasn't all this noise, when there wasn't these different activities I could go do or ways to be social. Um, and it came to be this moment of just true reflection. And I just said, you know what? I'm leaving so much of my happiness and who I am up to other people. And that was hard for me to swallow. Um, I'm the youngest of three. I think so much of my life has always been um, going places that people are taking me to. My brother's hockey game, my sister's <laughs> basketball game, right? Yeah, it's kind yeah. of a, a simple approach, but I think a lot of that was really ingrained in me. And then when, as I was going through school, it's um, there's it's programmatic. You know, you're going to take these courses and you're going to get this degree. And so I think so much had kind of been um, planned or articulated on my behalf that I, I really felt a lack of ownership in my own life and where I was going and my own happiness and really just the definition of who I was, um, was, was really left in the hands of other people and great people, sometimes bad people. And that I just, I kind of started to take stock in, um, you know, if I want things to be different and if I want to feel different, then I have to start doing something about it. And that was really the catalyst to say, okay, well, what do you like? What don't you like? How do you feel about that? Um, what's your position on that? Right. I feel like it's always been yeah. um, that that evolution as you kind of grow, you learn more, you're exposed to more in your surroundings and you meet new people. And um, you're so right. I think it is just this evolution. It's evergreen. It's never maybe going to hit a pinnacle moment where like I've figured out who I am. I hope I never find that right. because that means I've probably stopped um, being curious, it stopped being impressionable on my surroundings. But I think um, the tactics that I learn on are just really um, derived from a lot of therapy. But I also just think it's taking a minute to say, like, how do you feel about this? How is this sitting with you? Um, or why do you feel that way? Because uh, a lot of it is kind of instinctual where I react to things or whether I don't react to things. And um, so it's, it's been a, a huge, I would say year and a half of growth, um, of trying to tap into that more. And, um, I'm big on, uh, having a notebook. Uh, I think pen to paper is really where I feel a release. It's really where I feel like I can start to process things. I get it out of my head, uh, which is usually chaotic. There's a lot going on upstairs. So <laughs> I try to, um, uh, to get it out on, on, on paper and I can methodically start to then like see the connection um, and kind of try to pull in all my senses. I think that was something that um, 
the version of therapy that I went to really um, played a big part in is really just trying to like bring together all your senses and really ground yourself in the moment that you're in. And it was really profound. I, I truly enjoyed every second of it, but um, I, I, it's just really about uh, checking in with yourself. Um, and the way I do it is I just ask myself a few simple questions. I don't want to overcomplicate it. And that you usually leads to some additional thought. Um, and pen to paper, I think has always been just an old school method of, of, uh, therapeutic release for me. I'm so happy for you going through that, this, yeah. this journey. Cause I feel I, it resonates so much with me. I mean, I discovered therapy a couple of years ago and much of the same effect it seems to have had on you it had on me like not really ever having experienced it and then seeing yeah. the positive effect it could have it also what you described about <clears throat> so i'm the oldest of three so i don't have the 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 perspective of being drug along i think my yeah. two siblings are probably being drug along to all my stuff but uh-huh. um that the school part though i really resonate with like i felt like you know we were um we just the youth of yesterday or our, our generation or whatever like yeah. on this path of like you know figure out what you want to be when you grow up and then go to college and then get a job and do all that and i remember i always that song i don't remember the name of the song but the, uh, one of john john mayer's original hits um it might have been the, the first big song he had but there were those lyrics uh in the chorus that he wants to run back to his high school and scream at the top of his lungs yes. there's no such thing as the real world it's just a lie you have to rise above yeah. And like, I, I love that line because I don't know the inspiration for him in writing that, but like, I want to scream that, like, I want to tell my kids that like, this is yes. all bullshit. <laughs> like, this is <laughs> <Yes>. all, <laughs> this is all <laughs> like constructed bullshit that yeah. doesn't, and it's not that it doesn't matter, but like, feel free to explore outside this construct. Yeah. And it sounds like you've kind of been thinking, I mean, it sounds like the pandemic might have accelerated that for you. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, right? I think, um, I don't know, it's a weird world too, right? Because I am a a product of kind of all of those institutionalized norms, right? All of those um, preconceived notions of like, how to be successful, will you go down this path? And, um, you know, I I did it my own way, um, right? I, I kind of tried to morph it into my approach to it. I wasn't totally a robot, right? I still tried to keep my humanity as I was going through college and as I was going, you know, coming out of college and in my first job. And, um, and it's hard to know the outcome, you know, having maybe taken a different path. Like, I don't know if I'd be any different or am I successful because of some of those things? And, um, I'm reaching a different level. I'm kind of turning a corner now because I'm starting to reflect and challenge those. It's hard to say like, without them where I'd be, I guess is really maybe the point I'm trying to make. So although it is like, yes, you're so right that when we like do get a a little bit older, uh, things that you thought mattered so much, this, this ideal path of how to become an adult. Okay. You go to college, you get the degree, you get a good job, you get promoted, you get married, you have kids. And like, that's life. That's, not that's the version. Yeah, um, it's, it's one path, but it's not it's the path. One path, but it's not the path exactly. And I, I think like, um, certainly was something that I aspire to, but I never really checked in myself and said, like, do you actually want those things? Is that really the order that you want? And I think it was just a weird feeling to start asking myself because I didn't feel like I could ask myself that question. 
I didn't feel like I really had a say in that. And that's kind of um, where I threw it back to kind of having life planned out for me or just kind of going through the motions. I felt very much that um, if I challenged it and I was wrong, <gasps> gasp. Like, oh, I never thought of it that way. What do I do if I'm wrong? You know, and there was just a lot of fear in the unknown. And it was um, for some time, for some time of my life, it was paralyzed. I just, well, I've seen my sister do it this way. I've seen my brother do it this way. So I'll do it that way. Because if I do it differently, I might not find it. I might not make it to the next that next thing, that next that next marker uh, or milestone. Um, And I don't regret it, right? I think that's such a good driving mechanism. I'm glad that I had something to aspire to. I'm glad I was trying to work for something. Um, and that's really what I mean. Like if I didn't have that, or if I knew, uh, if I listened to John Mayer a little bit more intently, uh, <laughs> right? If I just totally like hooked onto his lyrics, I wonder like, would I be a drifter? Like, would I not care about anything? Cause what's the point? Isn't that a weird dynamic where it's like, you kind of have to have some of those guardrails to have the freedom to go between them, but without them, um, I, it, that's totally, just insane. Yeah, I totally agree. I think about <clears throat> when I first, like when I got out of college, I was, I really wanted to go in like film and video production. And okay. at the time I got out of college, I, I had a job lined up like as a computer software engineer. It was perfect. Like great salary, everything. And yep. one day I was just like, I don't want to do this. And I like, I emailed them literally they said, it's not me. It's, or it's not you. It's me. Yeah. Um, they were very confused, but I, I started doing some, some different, like uh, different production work and stuff. But at the same time, I also was doing freelance of the development work and that yep. was where I was making the money. And so like, long story short, I ended up just chasing that path. And I don't know why, I guess it was the money, but to your point, like, I think I was, you know, I was still feeling the, you got to go the safe path route, mm-hmm. but also like the other route, I, I don't, what would have happened if I would have taken the other route? I don't know. I mean, maybe I would be totally fine. could be a totally great life. I don't know. But yeah, like, it's interesting how, yeah, I, it's just, I always reflect on that and wonder just as you did, like, yes. Because I, I I can sense a little bit in your voice, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but you do want you do kind of like oh I, I wonder I mean it, it must have been it would have been worse right like it has to have been worse like this was a better path right but then you're like I kind of said like well maybe I don't I don't know like I feel the same way about the way I went like well yes. obviously this was the better way, right <laughs> it is I think um, that might just be out of like sheer human desire just to like I mean I don't want to. See- Sit in purgatory and just regret all the decisions I've ever made oh, in my entire life. For totally sure. possible, made some sketchy decisions. I'll admit it. But like, <laughs> I don't really want to. That's not living. I think um, maybe the point I'm trying to make is that like I had to have a starting place. You know, when you're brainstorming with a team and someone just throws out like a wacky idea, and you're like, "Here's 17 reasons why that won't work." And maybe I'm just offering up a slice of negativity and how it looks to work with me. I promise I'm not that direct, but. Um, I think I think that's all part of collaboration, though. It's like multi perspectives. uh, (laughs) It's not all roses. No, but I think it's it. What they're serving up is a starting place, and it's opening up that conversation, and it's allowing those different perspectives to say, "Okay, well, that's how I heard it." Or have you thought about just tweaking that different idea? And I I think a lot of that applies to your life as well. Like you just kind of have to go. 
you just kind of have to start. And then that's when you're able to start making these decisions. That's why I'm able to sit with you here in my 28th year on this planet and say, I don't really know who I am. I am able to ask myself that because I've had these different life experiences and um, I'm just still trying to navigate them. You know, what has fulfilled me? What's given me energy? Um, What has really just felt right? Um, You know, I just made a move most recently um, at the end of last year. I had been in Indianapolis for five years. I'd been in the Midwest my entire life, gravitated from Illinois to Indiana for school, Indianapolis for work. And I had just been there. And I just started looking around and I said, okay, (laughs) Uh, I love hiking. I love being outdoors and active. And I've always dreamt of moving to North Carolina. And I had seen the pathway light up, work went remote. And I'm fortunate enough to have been able to keep my job through the pandemic and that I could work remotely from home and that I had the support of my business. And so because I took stock in those things and that opportunity, I said, okay, well, nothing is stopping me. So I'm going to go and do it. And so I changed my surrounding. I went to go to a place that I'd be able to feel more fulfilled. But had I not had that experience in Indiana or in the Midwest, sure, right? I mean, it's yeah. just kind of still like a shot in the dark. And so I think all of these different um, life events or these experiences, like that's, it's an experiment. You need to have an outcome and then you reflect and then you are able to to make a different decision. And so that's kind of like this tree branching way through life is like, I agree with you. It's not ever going to be one direct path. It might be for some folks, but for me, it's like, I just, I need a litmus test. I need to like try something out, see how it fits. And if it doesn't suit me, then I'll go a different way. And I'm kind of just swimming through like Dory, just kind of weaving in and out, like (laughs) figuring it out a little bit at a time. And I think perhaps that's the the beauty of it is piece by piece. Because if I look at the full picture, it's a little overwhelming. I have that the passion for hiking outdoors too. I love that you chase that. Like you, you. I think this happened to so many of us during the pandemic that it, at some point in the future it'll mm-hmm. probably become cliche. But like we realized, like if we're not going to go follow what really fulfills us now, like when are we going to do that? Right. Because we just witnessed something that we n- never even fathomed could happen in life and now it happened and now our lives are upended and you know if we're going to come out the other side fortunate here let's let's go after what actually fulfills us i love that you did that how yeah you've only been out there a little bit now i know but how does it feel like to have made that decision and and gone for it totally wicked just so empowering right i think that was a really eye-opening experience where at the beginning of Last year, I just started saying it out loud. I was like, I think I'm going to move because I, I really want to just so powerful. Like socialize it and just say like, you know, how does this sit with other people? My family, I'm, you know, I am an aunt um, to two adorable and um, just like joys to be around um, my, my niece and my nephew and moving further away from them was obviously a challenge. Um, but it's also just a good reflection of um, kind of maybe taking a, a myself as the priority. I think I had been living for others for quite a long time. And so this decision to like move and start to like chase down and ask myself who I am and what makes me happy, um, it was kind of a new concept, foreign territory for me. And so when I made the decision to move, I felt like I regained the sense of confidence and I just said, all right, she's oh, that's great. Like we we're doing it. And every time I 
uh, if someone were to ask for my address or if I'm filling out, um, you know, a, something for work and I get to write down Raleigh, North Carolina, it is like full body chills. And I just can't believe that I'm here. And it's what a cool feeling. And I hope that in some way, shape or form, everyone gets to experience that feeling of it's just right with your soul. It just feels good. Uh, and that's kind of what I had after this move. And I'm just so glad that I listened to myself because I didn't really have a compelling reason. Like I love hiking. Cool. Like there's some hiking you can do and I'm not going to hike Mount Everest. So I'm not that like, uh, X games mode. Right. But I do enjoy a challenging hike and just being out in, in nature and hearing like wood cracking under my boot. It's just ASMR and it's natural sense and it's great. Um, but you know, I could find that in the Midwest. Absolutely. And I think there was just, um, I felt pulled to North Carolina. I wasn't sure why. And I just listened to myself. I listened to my gut and I said, okay, this is your life. You get one life and you're in control of the the wheel now. So go. So just try it out. And it's okay if you're wrong. You can always come back. And I think that was the cool part where it's like, nothing is really ever so set in stone that it can't be undone. It's the fact that you're bold enough and you're you're willing to take that bet or you're trying is brave and it's cool. And that's what being human is. It's like, let's just try it out. And if it doesn't work, okay, why, why not? And all right, let's figure out a different way about it. And it's just that constant growth. I think that's what you had mentioned earlier. And I, that made me so happy because I think something that is so core to my DNA is just the pursuit of growth. Professional, sure, but it's personal for me. I just, I don't want to stay stagnant. I could never learn everything about uh, anything, right? But I just want to feel like I'm evolving on this planet. Um, and so I think that was just a really interesting um, chapter in my life. And I've been here for probably about seven months now. And um, the shine hasn't worn off. I've started to make a new community here. Uh, I moved not knowing anybody. So that was, you know, that'll be what it what it is. But I've started to um, you know, kind of grow my connections and they're wonderful people here. They all have just super neat backgrounds and we get to enjoy this chapter of our lives together. And I think that's just, there's something really beautiful about that. Oh, it's so exciting. Yeah. Your dad. I didn't get that. Oh, is that Siri? (laughs) (laughs) She's like, right. I didn't get that. So, uh, yeah. They're always listening. I I recently, <laughs> this is a tangent, but I love tangents. Yeah. I recently yeah. enabled Siri on my phone for the first time because um, every time I drive with my kids, they want to turn songs on. And I got in a bad habit of like at a red light, you know, looking at Spotify and typing it in. Yeah. And then I remembered Siri and I never believed in Siri. I have Alexa. I'm, oh okay. God, she's not nearby. No, she's not. <laughs> she's but, like, yes. <laughs> but long story short, I enabled Siri like a month or two ago on my phone and I'm loving it now. It's so in the car. It's so great turn of music. Like yeah. it's just so much fun. So I, I get it. Um, why? I don't know why we're talking about Siri, but I have a question for you. Is your, yes. your dad's a, a, or a pilot, right? He, yes, he is. He's been a pilot for about 30. I'm totally going to get this wrong. So hopefully uh, <laughs> he forgives me. Uh, we're going to go third. 30 plus years. Oh my God. A long um, time. Yeah. We'll say yeah. a long time. That's safe, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just going to say like, can, can he like fly around and grab you and then go grab the niece and the nephew? And like, he, he could be the the conduit here that connects you all. 
he is retiring at the end of this year and that I am absolutely getting him on my, my personal payroll to be my, uh, <laughs> my private pilot. I wish. Yeah, he can. And he loves it. I think that's, um, my dad is such a cool dude. He is just, he's quirky. He's very personable. And so I like to think that, um, I've, I've dragged a lot of my personality from him. Um, and just my, my way to kind of connect with people. I think that, um, is something that he does really well. Um, but he, he just genuinely loves flying. And so to have made a career out of that is really cool, but he'll come off a seven day trip, um, on one of his typical routes. He's an international pilot. And so those are typically extended, um, extended flights and layovers and he'll come back and he'll still want to, um, he rehabbed a, a two seater, um, called the Grumman links. We love that. Um, and he'll just go and cruise. Um, and it's just such a, a freeing feeling for him. Um, and to be able to still find joy in that, I don't know how he does it. Um, but he is a pilot. He does have the ability to kind of scoop us up if we need to. And that is something, um, that has just been my like fun fact, right? Like when I come to, you know, people yeah, are like, oh, yeah. like, what's the fun fact about you? And I was like, well, I've taken off and landed an airplane. And they're like, sure, they fly themselves these days. So no, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, maybe, but yes. Yeah. It's, um, he had a cool job. I loved growing up having him, um, uh, as a, as a, as a pilot. Did you fly a lot with him? Like in a, on the, I called a private plane, like a Cessna or something like did, did, did he have a plane or has a plane and you would go, you and the siblings would go up with him or something from like the local airport? Yeah. So we, I grew up um, in Rockford, Illinois, and we actually were right next to the Rockford International Airport. So um, we had, um, oh, I'm going to blank on the name. Oh my gosh. It's a, the Saratoga uh, was one of his like first um, planes that we okay. had. And so we'd be able to take that up to Michigan and um, visit with family and friends and just like a cool way to kind oh, of how fun. Um, connect with people, which is really neat. But my favorite story, I think, um, is so my my older brother, Scott, um, he serves in the United States Air Force. And so he went to the Air Force Academy and um, he's he's an incredible person. But my dad and my brother were able to bond. Uh, my dad actually taught my brother how to fly. And so my brother has his private pilot's license because of my dad, they, they kind of you know, book a lot of hours, um, in doing that, but just such a cool moment. Um, I was never as dedicated, uh, to put in the hours there to get my <laughs> private license, but, um, you were just along like, for the ride. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and so it's just, a, it's an interesting, um, hobby to, to strike up or a way to bond, but, um, very fortunate, right? Like it's a, crazy thing. I think when I was growing up and I was like, Oh yeah, like, I, you know, I'm going to go flying with my dad. And people were like, what, what does that mean? <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, cause like we have an airplane and they're like, minds are blown. And I think I started realizing the gravity of like our, you know, great fortune and how cool it was to have him in that particular profession. So while I certainly recognize it's not um, a common world, dang, was it cool. It was awesome. Uh, growing up. Yeah. You didn't live in one of those communities. Um, I've seen some of these in Illinois. I don't know how widespread they are. With where the, the actual airplane hangars in the back. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like a subdivision <laughs> in the middle of the subdivision. Everyone's backyard is a runway, and then there's hangars, and like yeah. all these people own planes, and then I assume they just all fly together. Did you live in one of those or no? No, I did not live in an official one. But because of our like <laughs> distance to the Rockford Airport and the UPS facility, and now the Amazon facility, like it sure shooting feels like it. Um, <laughs> 
No, they've always been um, a little bit of a distance away, but that always, um, I looked at those people and I was like, whoa, like right? what a life to live. What a like, life. That must be crazy. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure it's tiered, but um, no, we, we had our, our separation uh, from, from the aircraft as long as we could. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. So you didn't go the yeah. pilot route, but then, you know what? You still get to enjoy it. I, I love watching you talk about your dad because it seems like you have such a great relationship with him, and like the, you, yeah. you celebrate the joy he gets from. I mean, I mean, he's been flying longer than you've been alive. I guess that's yes. It's a long time to be doing anything. <laughs> it is, and I think um, it's cool now. I I've started to really um, grow and foster my relationship with my dad, um, probably more deeply when I went to college and as I was a little bit older, um, because being a pilot, you know, he was gone quite often. Um, he, he was on these longer trips. And so, um, you know, I was kind of growing up and, um, it, you don't, I don't know that we ever really questioned what our parents do. We're like, Oh yeah. Like that's my mom and dad. Oh, and no, like, it's normal. Just, <laughs> right. Cause it's all, you know. Yeah. And they just, you know, like, uh, they you probably thought everyone's dad care. was a pilot going around the world it, for a couple it, days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, my, my beautiful mom, um, she was fortunate enough. She was our, our home, uh, homemaker. And so, uh, you know, she was around all the time. And so I was really close with her as we were growing up and, um, it's just been such an awesome experience getting to know my dad and, um, just kind of, re-strengthening that relationship right where it just says like people continue to change and I think I'm um, more sure in myself I'm an adult and we can kind of have tough conversations and we can have fun conversations and it's just been a cool experience to um, I would say go deeper in that relationship whereas like when I was younger I was like yeah dad's gone like it just was so normal it was a part of my day-to-day that he'd be um, gone for five days and then home for a month or right. It just was a very weird schedule, uh, whenever they would get flights. So, um, yeah, he's, he's certainly, um, one of my favorite guys and I'm really lucky to, uh, you know, have such a strong relationship with him. Um, and especially now as it's continuing to, to grow. That's so great. I think yeah. it's so common too, after college, as we get older to, I feel like the same with me. I feel like as I've gotten older, I've developed yeah. better relationships with my parents than it, you know, probably before those years. I could only imagine how annoying I was when I was a kid. Um, and so <laughs> I'm sure he's like, okay, you're actually cool. So we can have conversations <laughs> now. Um, I feel that way probably uh, with my brother and my sister too. I was um, uh, a little bit of a, a surprise, a surprise, I would say. And so they probably had uh, some different life plans as well. But you you adapt and you adjust. And I think it's sure. been better for everybody. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah. Speaking of college, when you were getting out of college, you were selected as a fellow for, I wasn't familiar with this until I, I knew you and, you know, got to know your background, but the, yeah. in Indiana, they have this uh, Governor Bob Orr Entrepreneurial Fellowship, um, which I assume is, I mean, you and I think someone else that year were selected. So I imagine it's only a couple people a year. So that's a pretty big deal. But um, in the biography on the fellowship website, uh, in case you're curious, it's still up on the internet. Um, oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I think they must have asked you, you know, we got to put something up here about you. And you, you put that, uh, I have a deep-seated passion for public speaking. And uh, you wrote, I'll know I've made it in this world if I were ever invited onto the TED stage. And so that sparked a question in my mind of, if yeah. TED calls you tomorrow and invites you, what will your talk be about? Oh, um, so... Listen, this is such a, I, 
I'm in this world now where I'm kind of re-entering the dating stage. And so like I used to have this prompt and people kept like full court pressing me, like, what would it be right here, right now? And I was like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna remove that. We're gonna go with something like I like ice cream. I don't know. So it's funny that you asked me that because I've actually had to like um, you know, be quick on my feet. But I do think um I remember writing this and I do still firmly believe it. I think um I was a communication communication and business major coming out of um, St. Mary's College in, in Notre Dame, Indiana. And um, it just was something I enjoyed. I think that um, communication is so often taken for granted because we know how to speak. We learn when we're babies and we grow and we learn these new words and um, all of that evolves. And that's great. But I think it's the two people receiving and internalizing and then being able to then provide a message back that is so complex. And yet we oversimplify it. And so um, I do still really have a, a passion for public speaking. And if it's not Ted, hopefully I'll be able to host my own uh, daytime television show that'll get like two views and I'll be so happy. Oh, but, that would be, um, you'd be great. I would, I, I just picture <laughs> yeah. it now, like a daytime yeah. talk show with you as the host. Yeah. That would be so cool. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we've got a lot, a lot of experiences I feel like to, to go through. So that way I, I can kind of, um, work on my comedy sketches, right? You got to kind of have some material. So, um, but, uh, right here, right now, I think that something I'm still really passionate about, um, and that I actually had this idea and was able to develop it while I was in Orfellow, uh, while I was going through that program. And, um, I like to think of it as a crash course in unofficial MBA because we're going through this entrepreneurial, um, program where we're, we're hearing from business leaders, we're working at startups, we are um, really kind of investing in how to grow or make an impact in Indianapolis specifically. Um, and, you know, that was kind of a tall order. Um, and so uh, I had this idea um, from an experience that I had while I was in my junior year at St. Mary's. Um, I had a public communication class where we would go to um, the South Bend Center for the Homeless um, every Tuesday and Thursday. And we would work with the residents um, that were at the center and just help them with resumes, mentorship, just working on kind of facilitating um, human interaction and just a, a, a moment for them to, to interact with us and hear their story. And um, it was just a cool way to go about that type of class. I'll forever be uh, indebted to my professor, Terry Russ, for that because it was a very impactful experience. And so while I was going through um, that class in my fall semester, we, um, I got pretty close with some of the, the leaders, um, at the center for the homeless. And we were having a charity event, uh, it's called dancing, uh, with our stars college edition. And so, um, we really start, you know, just a, you make a goofy dance, people vote for you and all the proceeds go back to the center for the homeless to kind of help, um, uh, with their mission, which is just rehabilitation, um, getting people back on their feet, um, and kind of finding placement for them as they go through their process. And so I had that experience and then I find myself, um, interning uh, for the Center for the Homeless. So I'm getting kind of closer to their mission. I'm understanding their operations a bit more and um, really getting quite um, fond of these residents that I, that I get to interact with because they're just really fascinating people. They have drive and they are um, maybe down on their luck or they're going through um, particular school, school uh, or practice um, to get to a their next goal. And I just, there was something so empowering about that, that I really felt compelled to help them. So 
you fast forward, it's um, 2016, I've graduated, I'm in this entrepreneurial program, and I'm kind of just trying to piece it all together. Um, Because I think those were big moments for me, Um, you know, in the highlight reel of my life, that was super impactful. And I felt really close with them. And now I'm learning about technology. Now I'm learning about how to start a business and what that could be like. And so um, throughout the OR Fellowship, we have these um, pitch competitions where we will have angel investors or um, kind of people that sit on the board of the OR Fellowship who are CEOs of different companies within Indianapolis um, come and either you or your team have the chance to truly pitch them your business idea. And they will give you raw, candid feedback and Sometimes those actually take off and you have that opportunity to kind of grow something. And so um, I just being the the go-getter, I'm going to sign up for everything that I can. I'm not going to have time (laughs) for any of it. I'm going to totally regret it after I do sign up. I sign up for this pitch competition and I don't have a team. And I'm like, sick. All right, we're going to have to figure this out. And so I really started... um, Kind of looking around, um, I think CHIP, um, which is the uh, coalition in Indianapolis, um, pretty profound organization doing wonderful work there for um, the homeless community. Um, I kind of met them at a different fair. And so I knew there were resources out there. But for some reason, and at a very specific point in time, Indianapolis had um, like the highest density of homelessness just because of the per capita region of the city. It was just very pervasive. And oh, so, wow. um, you know, I myself, I was living in Broad Ripple at the time, and I'd have several interactions uh, with, with folks that were looking for help. And um, I'd see them on the road or on the highway. And, um, you know, it's it's a two person exchange. You either have something to offer them or you feel guilty that you don't. They either have, um, you know, they have to ask for help or they're just um, kind of hammering you because they're at their wit's end. They've, they've kind of lost all of that hope. And at this point, they're just, it's sheer desperation for human acknowledgement that they exist in this world. And I just, I saw that um, and felt compelled to try uh, my best uh, to kind of formulate a way that it would help both parties. Um, and so, cause it's a societal issue, right? It's, it's we're people living on this planet, passing each other on the street. And so, um, you know, how could we be doing more? So that's really all the backstory. I wouldn't waste my two minutes and 30 seconds, whatever Ted would give me, but uh, it's so important to know that and ground ourselves in that context, because my idea is really around solving two problems. Um, the first problem is that, um, it's trying to rebuild trust, um, with just people in society. I think that, um, we do have, uh, peddlers, we do have, you know, people that like to heckle and kind of take advantage of of different situations. Sure. They exist. That probably exists anywhere, but then you have the people who are hidden because of that mass stereotype and that stigma who really need help who are working, but need additional help. They need a hand to hold to pull them out of this cycle of poverty. And so I really wanted to kind of focus in on that. And as well, um, really start to just aim on the rehabilitation side, aim at really getting them reimmersed in society. Because if you think of a, of a person um, psychologically, they've had to... Um, they might have lost everything. They might be, um, you know, staying at a homeless shelter or a center and just they're given food um, and then they're given clothing and and it's all kind of hand-me-downs or it's a little bit worn and um, they're not really choosing anything for themselves. And so they start to kind of dwindle um, this recognition recognition of, uh, of choice. 
and actions and what that outcome looks like. Because I think, again, this probably resonates with me uh, as I'm giving myself some therapy. Like I felt like I didn't have a choice. And so I want to fight for these people um, who've been so often just told or given things like, oh, you need this. I see you on the street. Here's a book bag full of things. Um, But is that really what that human needs in that moment? Or are we just prescribing something to make ourselves feel like we did a good deed? Um, And it still is a good deed. I don't want to belittle that. It's just really around like, we haven't really asked them what they need. We don't have that conversation. We just say, here you go. And like, I'm off with my day. Um, And so the rehabilitation part is just trying to like help them refamiliarize themselves with normal interaction with going into a store, buying what they need, recognizing the value of a dollar, because then they get back into society, they might have a job, things are very expensive. They maybe aren't used to understanding like, okay, I really have to take care of myself now. What do I need to start doing? And so those were really kind of the two focus areas. And so um, with electronic payment on the rise, we have Apple Pay, we can pay with our watches, like that electronic form of payment um, became very prevalent, and especially wearable tech. Uh, and so this concept, um, I called the company Coalition, which was really just, uh, I needed a name that meant something. So sure. we could we could workshop that. But, <laughs> um, but the intent here is that um, those that are in a rehabilitation program um, would meet certain criteria, whether they've graduated a class, whether they have um, kind of secured a job, or there is some sort of criteria um, and kind of programming that we can put in place where they are um, provided with a piece of wearable tech, albeit a necklace, maybe a watch, something that is um, kind of just on their person. And they'd be able to go to, um, let's just call it kind of a pay station or a bank that is just around the city. Um, and that they'd be able to say, great, I am hungry. So I'm going to scan uh, my watch against this bank and I will be able to receive electronic um, digitally transferred funds into this. Uh, We could set a cap, right? We don't want anybody draining it, but um, you know, and then I can go into CVS. I could go into pop bellies. I could go into anywhere that if essentially accepts digital form of payment. And I'm going to say, I'd like a turkey sandwich. Because I actually hate ham and people have only been giving me ham for my entire (laughs) life. So they go through, they have that interaction with the cashier, they pay for what they have, they leave. And it's just these micro moments across the span of time where they can start to kind of understand their vibe in society again. Now let's focus on the bank, the pay station, because who's funding that? It's the patrons on the street. It's those that want to do a good deed. It's saying, you know what? I just got a raise and I'm, I just found out on my boss. I passed this like just donations. as I would donations yeah. and I can scan it or I, you know, I can give virtually online. Like there's, there's endless ways to kind of populate this. But what we're alleviating now is this person to person tension where you need something and I can't give it to you. So I'm going to ignore you. So I, I can't even face yes. my guilt. So I don't pay attention to you. And I, and, Oh my God, have you ever been ignored? It's the worst feeling in the world. Even if someone can't hear you, but um, I'm physically in front of you and you're not addressing my physical presence. Um, It really is. Oh my, it's a, it's just a total mind. Have you heard of, um, Oh God, I don't know if he still does it. This was from literally at least a decade ago. Um, Mm -hmm. Invisible people. It it might still be around. You, yeah, I have Mark, the book. you, you, yeah. okay. He was, uh, yeah. he was, um, I, I got to know his story from being on Twitter back then. 
Mm-hmm. But he was like an NBC executive and then fell in hard times. He became homeless and he became this advocate. I think he still is. But yeah. that name, Invisible People, like he yeah. used to talk about what you're just saying about how, right. you know, I and, and everything you're describing just that came to mind because you're talking so much about helping recognize the humanity in, in yeah. these folks that just happen to be in, you know, a different situation than others. Right. And uh, th- that just, to me, resonates so much with the work he was doing. So I'm glad you already are familiar with it. Because if not, I was yeah. going to say, go check it out. No, I mean, a, a refresher is always is always helpful, right? And it's, I mean, it, we're I'm years out of college now and even years away from when I first was in that entrepreneurial program. But it's still something that I just, I think I... I have this experience in product management. I have this experience in software and in tech and these connections yeah. um, via the or fellowship where I just know it's culminating to something more. I know that I'm here for a greater purpose. And I think that um, something that's kind of been recent, right? And it's just, I, I love technology for good. Um, I'm in a space now where I'm learning a lot, but I think my end goal here is um, is to really throw it back and just to understand like how I can impact people. Um, it truly people and maybe even at a really granular level and um, it doesn't need to be a, a grandiose idea. I think that's just something I realize is that um, I can be doing more as, as a person, as a human in society to be helping. And I think um, all these different micro experiences that I've had on my timeline in life um, are kind of going to help me get there. And so that's perhaps what I'd love to, to come to the TED stage with just to circle back why I started on that soapbox. Um, no, I mean, we got to get you on the TED stage about that. I mean, that is, this is <laughs> well, fantastic. I'd like, yeah, I'd like to implement it, right? Even in maybe a prototype version. So that way we can start to talk through and, and maybe take, um, you know, the country by storm. Uh, I want to start with a, a specific city in mind, one that I'm close with. And so Indianapolis comes to mind, but it, it certainly could be Raleigh. It could be anywhere that we could um, just truly act fast, um, you know, kind of iterate on it, put it out into market, see if it's accepted or adopted and make changes as you go, because I think it's going to have to shape shift. Um, you know, you think about wearable tech and um, getting publicity around this type of program, um, it incentivize, it could incentivize violence, uh, right? Because people want that. Uh, and so how do we ensure safety? And there's mm. just this huge um, balloon that comes with an idea. And that's what's so invigorating where it's just like, it's not done yet. I have a cool idea. Um, but like, how can we continue to develop it? And so, um, would love to, to either bring that idea as maybe a pitch or, um, that idea with, with some outcomes tied to it just to see how well we did or what we learned. Oh, I love your passion for this. Like, and this makes me think back to the beginning where I was like, you know, you strike me as someone who's ready to take on the world. Like, Look at you. Like, I love this. You're, you're thinking about like, I'm here. I have some talents, some skills, some connections, yeah. some some opportunity that I can hopefully create. How do I change the world with it? And I mean, that's just fantastic. Thank you is all I can say to that. <laughs> I really, I need to go out and do it now. You really sparked a fire uh, because I don't want this to air and then me just still be sitting on an idea. So thank you because this is maybe the, the perhaps the motivation that we all need. It's amazing where those things come from, right? Like <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I don't know. It's amazing where those, those moments of like sort of, I guess, sparks come from. They're, they're always the yeah. most like out of left field, out of nowhere places. Yeah. Totally. And I think that's, it's really all it takes. I think, um, you know what, listen, you, you have an idea or you think you're going to, you know, going to make an impact and then life happens. 
um, you get caught up and you got to finish stuff at work and you got to exercise and talk to your family. And so like things catch up and it passes you by so quickly. And so if there's an opportunity to move to a new state, if there's an opportunity to, to kind of quit your job and, and go down and pursue a different path, I think um, within reason, explore that um, and, and sense it out because, um, you know, five years are going to go by and you might be asking yourself the same question and we're just too, um, we're just too young to live like that. Oh, amen. When I, when I asked you about the Ted question, uh, you mentioned that it was uh, recently in your mind because you're hopping yeah. back on the dating scene and there's those prompts. Yes. I'm assuming you're talking about the dating apps. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm curious though, because when I, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, hopped back on the dating scene too, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know about your history, but for me, I had never, I mean, I was married and in a relationship for a very long time. So when yeah. I was dating, if you could even call it that, it was decades, well, not decades, but it was a long time ago when there weren't dating apps. So this Stop whole, dating yourself. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Like, I'm confident what, in my age. Well, Four score and 70 billion years ago. Like, Tim, I'm but, looking, you're not that old. <laughs> my point, no. though, is that um, when I hopped on the dating scene and, and specifically these dating apps, it was all new yeah. to me. But the very first thing I was confronted with, which is what I'm curious about your perspective is, yeah. all of a sudden, it's almost that question of who am I? Because yeah. now I have to, if I want to find someone or at least create opportunity to find someone, mm-hmm. I need to somehow, from my head to the the phone communicate who I am and what I'm looking yeah. for and what matters to me. How has that been like a process you're thinking about now? Like as you sort of are jumping back in there, like do you feel like you've got that figured out? And if you I'm say no, my profile right now. I'm like, <laughs> wait, oh my God, what do I have on here? Um what's also like another layer to that is that you want to you want to be attractive. You kind of right. want to put your best foot forward, yeah. right? You yeah. want it because it's these the uh, the dating apps. Like I sound like I'm now <laughs> 170 years old. Um, the, the apps Let's just that assume I we're use, both really old. That's all. We're just we're really old and good for us. Do we have Botox? I don't know. Um, so it's just it's a rare glimpse, uh, and I think there's like very select prompts. You're almost put into a yeah. forced box, um, and so I actually don't feel. Like I I'm the whole picture is here and I love that. I, I want to spark curiosity. I want to uh, maybe lead with some things that I like so we can find mutual interest, but I am not trying to just be this is not my resume. This is not my full picture. This is maybe I a specific that. version of me where I'm I'm promoting and I'm highlighting the things that are important to me because those might be my like you know, my check marks and, um, just making sure like values and everything matches up. But, um, I, you gotta leave a little to the imagination, right? Because then once you're physically in, in front of them, if I know everything about you, because I read it on a profile, like we've lost the, the natural curiosity. We've lost that fun feeling of getting to know someone That's again. So and just the rush where it's like, Ooh, like, do yeah. you like this person. And if I can see everything about you and I'm like, eh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's you, a, that's a no. Uh, then that's like, that's so true. You yeah. got my wheels turning now thinking like, do I have too much on my profile? I'm going to go back after this now and just take a look. Like, <laughs> am I leaving enough to, cause I think you bring up a good yeah. point. Like yeah. you want to communicate who you are, but you don't want to communicate everything about who you are because yeah, I mean, that's part of the fun of getting to know somebody. 
I, I swear to you, there is probably research that's already done on like the variance of profiles. Cause you have the folks that are like, I'm looking for something incredibly serious and right now, and I want to move fast. And you've got the other people who are like, I don't know, it's time to delete this app when I delete it. And it's like, what the variance is huge. That's a huge gap of yeah. people. And uh, I, I'm sure there's research out there where it's like, what, however much you decide to share, like, does that resonate with people? And um, how little you decide to share, like, does that pe- people's interest to like engage in a conversation first, but does that fizzle out? Like, I would love to do a case study and understand, and that's kind of going back into like my communication route, like just trying to understand about like what, um, how do people operate? How do people work? And what, um, what about it, you know, is, is clicking for some and not others. And I just, I would love to like look into that more, but I think fundamentally is like, you're just, it's, you're going to resonate with some people and then you're not. And I think that's the whole point, right? We're, we're not carbon copies. We're all very unique and we have this different way about us. And so your profile, like you set it up, like if you're happy with it, like that's send it. That's amazing. I'm happy with mine because it's goofy and it's, um, it's, it's loud. And it just shows that like, I, I like to have a good time, but I'm, you know, I'm dynamic in my interests and, um, I love monopoly. That's what you would get from my, my profile. <laughs> like I love, that's I mean, an important detail though. I mean, monopoly can be a divider. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm telling them who I am right away. Like I am exactly. vicious <laughs> when it comes to boardwalk. Yeah. So I'm a slumlord in the, bra- yeah, in the, in the lower properties. No. Um, so I think like, it is just interesting, but at the end of the day, like the question is so simple. It's just that like, we're all just, uh, you know, we are who we are. And I think we just have to own that. And I, that, that confidence and that security in self is, um, not easy to find. And it will continue to kind of grow as you learn more, you stay curious about yourself and, and you expose yourself to new experiences. But, um, listen, when it comes to, to profiles and like trying to summarize who you are, just know that's not all of it. Just know that that is a maybe 1% of who you are as an entire person. And um, same with social media profiles and what you decide to share on Instagram or what you're promoting into to Facebook or whatever. It's it's a version. It, you said you found my TikTok. I am horrified, but it's, um, <laughs> right. It's like, it, I, it's just things that I chose to share because they made me laugh where it was just a moment in time where like, I just decided to, to broadcast that, but it's not entirely who I am. It, it could never be. Um, and I think that's the best part, um, is, um, there's just too much of you and, and anyone and, and you being like the collective or royal you, um, to share in a single sentence or in a single response back to the question, who are you? I will, I'll let people find your TikTok if they can, but there is a great video of you dancing with your cat <laughs> that I think is worth searching for. <laughs> Listen, it's Moet's page. Uh, it's Moet's house. It's Moet's world. I'm just living in it and I am having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, thank you yeah. so much for taking the time and for chatting and for just being you. I mean, we yeah. need more people like you out there <laughs> and you are awesome and you're going yeah. to make an impact on this. You are making an impact in this world, but yeah. I know you're going to make even bigger ones. So thank you. Thank you for thank being you. here and thank you for yeah. being here in both ways. <laughs> no, absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. And I'm, I'm really excited to um, just keep doing this because I love the the sentiment. I love um, the intro and, um, just being able to hear from people that I might not ever 
interact with in the world. You're opening those doors. So um, I'm super happy that you included me. And um, yeah, thank you. You can find all episodes of We're Only Human at we'reonlyhumanpodcast.com, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs>